Welcome to the Mentor Circle Podcast, bringing you real talk, sage wisdom, and inspired advice for women of color on life, entrepreneurship, and building your dreams. This podcast is brought to you by Project She Went For Her Dreams, a business advisory platform for women entrepreneurs since 2011. I am your host, Arian Hunter from Brooklyn, New York, and I have helped hundreds of women start powerful careers and launch new businesses doing the work they feel called to do in the world. The Mentor Circle was inspired by the lack of diversity in the women's empowerment conversation. All too often, the stories of black and brown women are left out. This is a community of dreamers and doers of color who share our vision, experiences, and the drive to create a better world for ourselves and for our culture. Let's get into it. I'll see you inside. Discussions centering Black women's stories around life, work, and the pursuit of personal purpose necessarily includes the discussion of racism, sexism, sexual violence, homophobia, transphobia, and other difficult topics. The following episode contains content pertaining to sexual violence that may be triggering. The dialogue you're about to hear might feel personally challenging or difficult to sit with. If you feel uncomfortable with this topic, you're welcome to skip this one and we'll catch you for another conversation on the Mentor Circle podcast. My intention for this episode is to illuminate the stories that oftentimes go unheard, challenge our assumptions, and positively expand your worldview. We trust that you will do what's best for you. Thank you. So welcome back to the Mentor Circle podcast. Uh, We have an incredible, incredible guest here with us today, Donna Hilton. Donna is one of the pioneering voices behind the women's movement and criminal justice reform. She's an activist, she's a speaker, and the author of the bestseller, A Little Piece of Light, which I'm holding in my hands. Uh, just finished reading and super excited to get into it today. Um, Donna has spoken at the Women's March in 2017 and continues to be a champion for prison reform and ending violence against women. Donna is a formerly incarcerated woman and rape survivor. She hails from Jamaica, which is my roots, and she now lives in New York City. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mentor Circle Podcast, Donna. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, did you say your roots are in Jamaica? It sure is. <laughs> my, my mother, my All right, yeah. Jamaica, yes. So, yeah, which part? Which part of Jamaica is in Jamaica? Kingston, Kingston, Jamaica. Oh, okay, okay. All right, concrete jungle. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So welcome to the podcast. So, so thrilled to have you here with us today. Thank you for being on. So let's just, let's just dive right in. So Sudana, you are now an activist, an author, a community leader, a mm-hmm. voice against the harsh systems of criminal justice against women, but you didn't start out like this. Walk us through your story of how you've come to now doing this work. Yeah, um, wasn't an easy road. Um, so as you said, I come from the island of Jamaica. I was trafficked here, sex trafficked here as a little girl. I was seven and a half. Um, I was told I was coming here to go see this magical place called Disneyland. But that's not what happened, unfortunately. I was brought here by a couple um, who told me now they were my mom and my dad. And that was strange to me. So my thing as a child was I was like, when am I going home? When am I going to see my mother again? And it was, you know, it never happened, right? I didn't even get to see Disneyland. So 
what I did see was um, the inside of a closet at the age of nine and a half, um, you know, and that represented quite a bit of abuse, violence, and trauma for me. And um, that became the, the theme yeah. of my life for quite some time. And as a result, um, I ran away at 14, mm-hmm. try, hope, thought that I had somebody to help me, an older man that was going to help me, just help me get away, nothing mm-hmm. else. But he became my worst nightmare, very abusive and traumatizing, yeah. violent. Um, and, you know, when you're a child, I was still a child, uh, you know, you're caught up in a cycle of violence and abuse, trauma you kind of own a lot of it. <laughs> you think it's your fault. You did everything. Um, and you're not worthy. You're not good enough. And then you also don't know how to navigate through that, right? Make good choices. Or there were no uh, adults in my life that um, helped yeah. that little girl. And so as a result, I got caught up into a, a, a crime, a situation with a crime that um, I had no control over. Abby, I was abused in as well. And um, as a result, a human being's life was, was lost. Mr. B, yeah. I call his name, I mention him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't understand how I even got to that, how now, you know, just made it past 19. Yeah. Um, that now I'm facing prison, you know, and, and what that meant. Um, but I was sentenced to 25 to life in prison for crimes of kidnapping and murder, um, which I had walked into a kidnapping and it eventually turned into a murder because Mr. V died. Um, and, you know, and all the stuff that led up to that, all the abuse, the trauma, the things that I went through, you know, I was like, how did I wind up here? How, what's going on, like, in my life? And, you know, I, I always reflected back to, you know, um, the little girl that was in a closet, that there was light coming from under the door, and it was that light that I would focus on and just, like, escape in or with. Um, became a source of um, safety for me, the light. And that became a theme throughout um, my life. And so I um, allowed that light to, at certain points, to get me through the incarceration. But one of the things that I recognized immediately, almost immediately, as young as I was, was um, the amount of women that I met, young women, and girls like myself who had very similar stories who were victims of, of abuse and violence and so much trauma is just you know I thought my what I went through was bad I was listening to those stories and and, and it just did something to me and I, you know at points I was like oh no this has got to change why are so many women in here that so abused and I mean their stories to me they gutted me you know as much as mine was horrible I felt I, I can't even put into words what I felt I just felt, knew that it was wrong and like some points I was like why are so many of us here that have been so violated so abused nobody listened to us nobody paid attention nobody helped you know and it was then that I started like saying 
okay, I've got to be a part of change here. Something's good. This is not who I am. And the women, no women I met, I felt, you know, saw like, that's not who they are either, you know, whatever reason got them there. It's not, wasn't the sum total of who they are. It wasn't the sum total of me, you know, I'm not the pain and the abuse and the, not that, you know, I'm a person in there somewhere. I'm a woman, yeah. a mother. Um, and so, you know, in prison, I became a part of a group of um, women that created programs and facilitated them and did things to like help, um, help us through our, um, our time. Yeah. And we created things, programs that we utilize to help heal us, to, you know, transform us in a way. Um, things that weren't available to a lot of us on the outside, right? That, you know, and so my story is, is different than quite a few of the women that I met and, and, and even to today. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in like, you know, uh, a neighborhood that didn't have the resources and, and certain things. I actually, it's quite opposite. And, um, you know, the woman that now said, call her mom, mm -hmm. was, you know, working for New York State Mental Health Department. You know, that was her, her, who she was and what she did. And so I didn't get help from her, right? Mother, who was a psychiatric social worker at the time, or the system that she represented. And, um, or teacher, teacher, I went to school at 12, finally, to try to tell, get some help, who didn't believe me, turned on me, along with her, his mother. Um, so I recognize a theme, I recognize certain things, and, and, and I was like, you know, I'm not that, and so I saw that in the other women, they're not that, you know, we just weren't allowed to develop and to be nurtured, we didn't have that. And unfortunately, you know, I can say, especially in this country, this is a country I know more than even my own, black girls are not allowed to be little girls, to be girls, to be women. We are criminalized, sexualized, victimized at such young ages, you know, we're objectified objectified so early like we don't matter all that we exist for is for everybody else's pleasure whatever that pleasure may be right, right? um and it's been that way for since we can remember right that black women especially have carried the world on our backs and in our stomachs because we've been raped and violated for centuries upon centuries, and it continues to be that way. Um, so I'm like, I want to be a part of the change. I want to be a part of getting that to stop, mm -hmm. you know, to like ending that. I don't want it to change. I want it to end, <laughs> you know? Wow, yeah. And what I, what I really connect with about your story is the constant sort of reinforcing that I am not that I am not you know I'm not a person that's not good enough you know and seeing that in other women and you know by your book's title that a little piece of light that that stream of light you know and actually identifying and connecting with that despite the darkness 
you know, and sometimes it's that one piece that can keep you, that keeps you going, right? So that, that light that really fortifies you. And, and yeah, really bringing that, you know, it's not about change, it's about ending, right? Ending the trauma, ending the victimization, right? Because it is a pattern that's been happening for centuries, right? It's, It's in our lineage, you know, it's generational, right? So how do we you know, remove that trauma, remove that pattern, you know, and, and bring an end to it you know, once and once and for all. Where none of us are the worst thing right. we've ever done. We can be and do so much better. Yeah. I, I think we're, for the most part, we're, a lot of us are led to believe a thing about ourselves, a narrative mm-hmm. that's scripted for us. And um, it's not representative of the person. Yeah. And and then if you do subscribe, if you do feed into it, then you're not allowed to, you don't even see how you're stopping yourself from becoming who you truly are. And so it's that light that we all have, we all have, right, that um, that is inherent to who we are as, as human beings mm-hmm. um, that can allow us, mm-hmm. can allow us to not just heal, but be better people. Um, if given the opportunity. And so it's that light that I focus on and I use to try to bring that message right. to the world right. that none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. We're, but we're all human beings yeah. having this human experience together. Mm-hmm. And how do we go, how can we go about doing that without causing any more harm? Right, right. yeah, it is the healing journey. I'm going to try to keep, um, I'm already feeling the emotions. This is such a powerful conversation. And I, I really want to sort of draw um, attention to this idea of secrecy and shame, right? Mm-hmm. And so much of your story centers, the beginning of your story centers around secrecy and shame and guilt, right? And just, you know, keeping, keeping you know, um, the things that happened you know, to yourself and kind of, you know, going at it on your own, right? And, you know, sometimes these are, you know, secrecy and shame are the invisible barriers, right? That stop us from feeling love and speaking our truth. And for women of color, this is the thing that hits us the hardest. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why are we so afraid to be vulnerable and to truly speak our truth? And what are the factors that contribute to that shaming, that shame society? Um, and how do we begin to, to break the pattern of that? Um, in my experience to that, the um, shame and the secrecy, which are intertwined, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I can reflect on when I was going through as a child, yeah. what I was going through, that immediately, you know, little girls all across the world, mm-hmm. we're taught that we're second class or less than we should be behind as, as opposed to being beside or even in front. Yeah. Um, we're not valued that our lives are not as important as um, little boys, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's that narrative that's worldwide for the most part, worldwide, mm-hmm. um, and it's been so ingrained that it's become a part of our DNA, the fabric of who we are as people. Yeah. Um, and we're taught this way. I mean, subliminally, even on, on, on 
shows or commercial, whatever we look at, we kind of see it. And so it's, it's, it's like this thing when we see a woman being a hero, heroine, right? It's like, whoa, Wonder Woman. I think we all get off in that one. And let's not bring up um, Black Panther, <laughs> the yeah. women warriors. I forgot their names in a moment. And it was like, what? <laughs> it's like, yes. You know, it's because it's stifled who we are has been so stifled um but i believe that the secrecy is is premised in that right that you know no matter what we do or don't do we'll never be good enough and we're taught that whatever happens to us is what happens to us like nobody cares and it's and it's and it's uh validated a lot we see it to today. Why are we still screaming for the the, the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor to be arrested? Yeah. Like, we're still screaming that? And she was before George? You get what I'm saying? It was like, you know, and, and, and we can constantly have to make excuses for like, well, I don't mean any harm, not, you know, whatever, but what about, like, why do we have to keep saying, but, but, to reminding that, so, you know, the shame um, is not so much our shame as it is a societal shame. Right. Because it's the way in which we treat women. It's the way in which we treat black women. It's the way in which we treat black girls. And that includes ourselves because we're believing this nonsense. And so we feed it as well. And so we don't, um, we don't really uplift each other you know our our brilliance and our beauty and our amazingness and you yeah. know um and, and brilliance and we don't do that yeah. because we're really taught that it doesn't matter yeah. we don't matter yeah. the only ways in which we matter is if we're barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen yeah, yeah. you know as some object um and so, you know, that's the shame. And so the secrecy of not telling comes what comes out of you don't want to be pointed at and say, Oh, you see, you're 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 this anomaly or you're whatever. And so that's why, you know, you feel like, you know, I tried to come out and tell as a child's twelve. Yeah. That's a burden on a twelve year old. I mean, I'm a child. Right. 12 trying to tell, go to adult women <laughs> that my school counselor is a woman my mother my adoptive mother right whatever right. woman um to tell but you go to women to tell and women shut you down right. because everything is sh taboo or whatever we don't want to talk about it we know these things aren't secret because you know it and as an adult looking back mm -hmm. i know that my you know the woman that called herself my mother knew, yeah. but you didn't do anything. You kind of set me up yeah. actually to yeah. become a toy, right. you know? Um, so there's that. And so the value that we lack of ourselves, we don't have it in ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see it in the next person we're not going to see it in the next woman we're definitely not going to see it in the next black woman right. because we're not taught that right. so a lot of the stuff the secrets and the shame and stuff have been um ingrained in us for right. centuries upon centuries mm.
but women, black women especially, have been the leaders in movements, created these movements to create change across the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anytime great moments of change happen, it's usually because a woman yeah. <laughs> set it off, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kicked it off. So, yeah. you know, there's that. Um, but until we, 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 we rewrite that narrative and we take back our power and we, re, we take back our truths and stand in our truths, and that's what I like to do, stand in my truth, tell my truth, not have you tell it, you know? And I hope that, you know, with the work that I do, I show other women especially that no matter what, what you've endured and whatever you faced, that you, you have the power to change everything around you. Like it all starts with you and you don't have to feed into that. You're not the worst things that's ever happened to you if you've yeah. ever done, yeah. you know? And yeah. that's the only way that we're really going to, as far as I see, change this and, 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 and expose the shame yeah. and expose the secrecies, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that continue right. Right. to harm us. Yeah. Yeah, going back to a little piece of light, right? That exposure, right? Shining the light. Shining the light. The darkness, yeah. Have to shine yeah, light. It sounds like this is a narrative that we've inherited, right? Yes. From yes. generations, right? And it's really up to us to push back on that narrative, right? To yeah. demand, right, that we tell our own stories and tell our own truths and be the owner of that story, not the other way around. And that's our that. power. We take our power back. We claim our power, you yeah. know? take it back own it and that's why i like to really emphasize i want to say it here so when i see when i'm out there talking to women you know especially i always like to leave them with Mm -hmm. you're beautiful you're amazing Mm -hmm. you're brilliant yeah you are awesome you could do anything that you want to do and be anything that you want to be you don't have to and any no one has to tell you right Right. Any of that. Yeah. It's feeding ourselves a new story, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to talk about, um, you know, we we hear so much about when it comes to, you know, Black women and and prison, we hear so much about the school to prison pipeline, especially as it impacts Black men and boys, and oftentimes Black women and girls are left out of that conversation. It's almost like there are no Black women in, in prison, right? And we know that's not the case. But I'm curious, like, what do you think, what are we deliberately leaving out or unwilling to face when it comes to the growing population of Black women in prison? Well, let's be clear. For the last 30 years, the population of women in, in our, in, in, in this, in the prison system uh, has risen to a rate of like 800%. Mm-hmm. So we went from 2000, the mm-hmm. little, little more than 2000 women across the country mm-hmm. in the system to um, 250,000 almost, you know what I mean? Like give or take like yeah. during right now. Um, so that's saying a lot, but we still continue to be the smaller part of the um, incarcerated population because because but the bottom line is we've become the fastest growing part of that population though overall Um, but again 
we don't talk about it because women are an afterthought. We're second. We're like, okay, I'm in conversations and meetings and stuff where I have to continuously say, hey, hey, I'm here. We're here. Like, hey, listen, you know, and bring it back. And then they'll focus on it. And then two minutes later, it's right back to the stuff we've met. Hello. I mean, I find myself right now still having to do that. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me, but we are so conditioned. Right. We've become so conditioned. We, we hear music and shout now, you know, like this is a discredit to our people. Mm-hmm. Rap music, I'm, you know, I grew up in the boogie down where <laughs> rap started. Yeah. Hey, and it didn't start. Like the rap was about telling the story, you know, uplifting and you know what I'm saying and building up and, 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 and just like telling the story about your friends, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, majority of the rap music that you hear is talking about women black women in such a way that it's like what the yeah. Yeah. you know here black female or who are uh, women of color um who are rappers doing the same fitting in, feeding the same narrative yeah. Yeah. so yeah it's just this overall conditioning that's been going on for centuries and and until we really get people to value the life of a woman especially a black woman, we're going to have to fight. It's going to be an ongoing fight. You said it right there, the value of a woman. And, you know, there's so many stories and narratives that, you know, the media and music industries and everyone is telling our own stories for us. And if we're not careful, we slip into that narrative and accept it as our own. Like, well, well yeah. this is where I can bring value. I'm a sex object. So that's, that's who I'm going to be because that's where I'm going to receive love. And that's where I'm going to yeah. receive approval, right? Love in air quotes, you know, and that's where we seek it, but it's just this, this, it's a, it's a pit, it's a void, right? Yeah. But we, we look for it there just so that we can exist, just so that we can be acknowledged, you know? And the unfortunate part is when we do believe in that narrative and forget that, we do have autonomy and, and ownership over yeah. our own story. And there is value, you know, beyond being objectified, right? Which we brought into, we bought into that narrative for, for generations. So, yeah. You know, and it's another thing about like women, like women. Yeah. Um, we're nurturers, mm-hmm. right? That's just who we are. We're nurturers, we're, we're, we're relationship oriented. And so we take, we often find ourselves taking the um, easier route Mm -hmm. to maintain relationships and and, and things like that with people. And so if that means to be quiet, then we will take it. We'll take that burden. We'll hold on to so much just so we won't muddy or mess up any kind of relationship with people. And we're taught that really young as girls. Mm -hmm. And so all children though, you know, um, uh, Mm basically absorb and just like hold on to everything that goes on and, and then start blaming themselves. But mm-hmm. little girls, because of all the reinforcements mm-hmm. is reinforced even more. And so it's like, okay, well, it's my fault, but I'm going to do this. So they'll like me mm-hmm. or they'll accept me and, you know, they'll love me. But, you know, I just, and you'll take whatever kind of relationship it is yeah, because there's, it's just who we are. Mm-hmm. It's second nature to us, like eating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just it, It's just like part of our senses. Yeah. 
you know, um, and until we, we recognize that we don't have to look to anyone else to validate us and we don't have to accept everything that goes on, right. you know, um, we're going to continue that cycle ourselves. It's, it's, it's like a dog chasing its tail, you know, um, but with conversations like this and actions that we've all been seeing lately and we've been stepping up to do, um, there is hope. There's that light. Yeah. It all comes that back light. to that light, that always. little piece of light. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, one of the things that I find so compelling about your story is the transition that you made after two and a half decades mm-hmm. of prison to a life that was uncertain in a lot of ways, right? Navigating mm. that transition. And in your book, you talk about, you write about the people that were there to support you when you got out. Um, talk to us more about that path, right? That path of real rebuilding a life after pain, particularly for women who have experienced prison physically or the prison walls of our own circumstances. Talk to us about that rebuilding path. Well, to be very honest, this is eight years later, and I'm mm-hmm. still building. Yeah. <laughs> it is still a process. I mean, I spent almost three decades, right? And um, I went in as an adolescent into the system, and I came out an old woman. <laughs> so um, this, the, the ground zero that we come out and start from stays for quite some time. You know, we're talking about decades. You know, I went in. They were toaster ovens, very simple toaster ovens. I come out there, stuff like Brava or what, Bravo or whatever. My <laughs> partner Tavala, I don't know, to whatever these things are. You just time it, and it does all this stuff for you. You, you know, all these things that talk back to you. You know, Siri, <laughs> she doesn't like me well because she's always putting me on the wrong path somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to go somewhere. Um, so, you know, we don't even start with the basics, right? You know, this re-entry, this re-entering this world, mm-hmm. this part of the world that you move from um, after being in such an abnormal environment for so long, you know, yes. it's a process. I know people who've been out before me in like 15 years, mm-hmm. they still, I call speed bumps. You know, speed bumps that happen because something happens and it just, oh, it just jars you. And it's like, wait a minute. And you get stuck like, wait, you know, it's trauma. Prison is trauma. It's violence, traumatizing, period. Yeah. And so it's hard to get that experience out of a person. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we don't necessarily get stuck in it, mm-hmm. but we have echoes. Yeah. And so those can con throw you off for a minute you have to pause and say okay hold on world (laughs) stop I want to get off right now just go hold on um Mm -hmm. life after prison comes with challenges and the the challenges really are the the scarlet letter that cloud that's around us of you know the pejorative words ex-con the felon ex-prison you know those things um and so we're treated differently it's not easy for me to get housing yeah. because I have that right. scarlet letter. It's not easy for me to get employment because I have that. You're not opening the door like that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there are certain things, there are a lot, those things that, to, 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 that would help ground us mm-hmm. to do this thing, this, this, this thing called life and to, to, to be productive um, citizens, you know, just voting. 
yeah. right? Just had a um, thing on voting yesterday. Well, this whole, we're focusing on that right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, fighting for that right yeah you know and being a black person in this country we know we only vote because of the 1965 voting rights act you know what i mean it's yeah. not like that's just a given yeah. women in this country overall had to fight back what was that 1920s whatever just to you know in the suffragist movement we should know started with black women <laughs> let's be clear right. um but allowed women yeah. to vote so if white women had to protest and march and do whatever they had to do to to get the right to vote like their male counterparts what is that saying about those of us of color i'm just saying so it's even worse so all those things right so we have an even harder climb or uphill battle just to be yeah. i know a lot of older women that i speak to who are still inside they just want to come out so they could just see the sunset they want to walk a dog yeah they want to go into the soup. The both biggest thing they want to go into a supermarket <laughs> and the shop inside of a supermarket is yeah. to get that experience. The little things. Yeah. A lot of them with their grandchildren. They just, I just want to go to the store with my grandchild mm -hmm. and my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. They're human beings, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, take you know, not taking away what you know if they've done anything, mm -hmm. you know, something mm -hmm. harmful, right? Mm -hmm. For the most part, most people um reconcile with that they um face it acknowledge it and um yeah. can't change it but would like to contribute you know and participate in life in a different way to bring some kind of you know change or healing um as much as possible but don't don't allow us to and we have a long way to go, you know, we as humans, we just want to serve, we just want to exist, we want to enjoy the ordinary pleasures, you know. Of we want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> we just have a Disneyland trip, can we just do that? Um, we're not asking for much, right? But it goes back to what you were saying, you know, just really being human and just existing, right? And fighting for that right to, to exist. and. We really need to do better as a society to, you know, not judge, right? Not see the person for, you know, what they did or the past. That's the past, right? But just looking at the human potential, right? And investing in that, you know, one of the things you say in your book is that, you know, 90, 90 something percent of, you know, the prison population returns back into society, right? So why wouldn't we want to invest for their return, right? Like, why wouldn't we want to invest in that? You know, and it's it's so true, right? We just want the opportunity, the choice to mm -hmm. do better and to be better. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, so your career and your business to date, I really wanna talk about that in terms of what you've done, right? Transitioning and really building a platform, right? The hard lessons that you've endured to really, that's really positioned you to pursue your calling, right? And your purpose to mm -hmm. now be that steward, that voice for change. You could have done a number of things outside of, of prison. You could have done a number of things with your life. You know, why did you choose this path? as your life's work, what legacy? I think it chose me, I ain't Jake, I didn't do it, let's just be honest. Um, I have to, um, I have to give credit or acknowledgement to this woman that I met um, 
who became my mother, the mother of my heart, Sister Mary Nerney, who I write about and dedicate the book to. Um, I was, I, I had become an, I realized I was an activist advocate organizer inside. I didn't know that about myself then. I know, you know, know it now, but, you know, doing this work inside and making sure that we had, we were un living with conditions that were amenable to us and, and for women, you know, and getting the programs that we needed for mm -hmm. self, you know, um, self-awareness and, and growth. Um, so I came out, I had no idea what I was going to do after 27 years. Remember, I was a kid when I went in and I was a old woman when I came out. And so um, I didn't know. But what I did know I was leaving with was that I had to do something. Mm -hmm to get people to know who was in prison, who this country incarcerates and why, mm -hmm. and to do something. But I didn't know what that something was. I came out on a Tuesday and on the Thursday, my mother, Sister Mary Nerney, had me speaking, <laughs> telling my story mm -hmm. um, at John Jay uh, for this um, event, for a documentary that was put together um she said well you know some of the people the women that were going to talk like they weren't able to make it so could you just how could I tell her no <laughs> how could I tell her no so I was like okay and then I just started speaking like we go in different places she'd have me speak to this group of people that group of people here there there and it just started organically I just became this this activist out here um advocate out here organically which I'm glad that it happened that way, right? It wasn't something that, you know. Um, so I woke up one day and I realized, I, I mean, I was just like, Donna, you know, would you come speak here? Would you do, you know, whatever? Could you um, speak to this? Could you write something to that? And, 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 um, and it hit me one day at an event. I was with Piper Kerman, Orange is a New Black Piper. And we were speaking at an event in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. And um, I was telling parts, hearing parts of my story. And this woman got up and it was being televised and stuff. And so she got up and it was an energy about her when she stood up, made me pause. Because we asked for, you know, audience feedback. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew something was coming before she opened her mouth and Sure enough, when she opened her mouth, she shared, and I knew it was for the first time before she even said it, how she was raped mm. and what she had mm. been suppressing, yeah. like not even talking about um, so long. And um, yeah. I honored her and I valued her in that moment. I just got off the stage and I went to her and I held her and just thanked her because that was important. I knew it was, and she said it. It was the first time she ever was so open about it. Yeah. And it was that... That was one of the moments that I let me know that I was doing the right thing or something that was bigger than myself. And to the, you know, yeah, it was, it was, that was a very important moment for me. And so I just, yeah, it just kept coming and um, it happens to today. Like people thank me, you know, when they read my book and they hear me tell my story, uh, the story of other women they they share because they realize oh wow 
I've been stuffing this. I've been shaming myself and holding it secret here and that. So it's been eating me up and I can't be, I can't take it anymore. What do I do? They know what to do with it. And so, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to, to show them how to take their power back and to own that and take that pain and turn it into something productive right. and to create their own narrative, tell their truths yeah. using that, yeah. you know, so somebody else doesn't ha don't, won't do that or stop doing it. Um, so yeah, it just happened organically. And then I met another amazing human being that um, was introduced to me by a former correctional officer who I didn't realize I had, um, I don't know, I didn't know that I, I made an impression on her so much. Mm -hmm. And so she introduced me to Dan Pearson. Mm -hmm. And Dan Pearson, when he started seeing me talk, I remember one day he said, you know, women's stories are often told by men, mm -hmm. other people, and women need to tell their own stories. And he's like, you need to tell your story and I'm gonna help you tell your story. And he said, just don't need to really be out there because he started, I feel, he started seeing how it was helpful. You know, he saw the vision before I did. And so he's the reason why the book mm. is a book and there's a movie um, happening. Um, it, it just reinforced that, but I'm thankful that I am in the position to do that. And I don't take it for granted. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed. It's a lot and whatever, mm. but it's something that was gifted to me to do. Right. And so I feel like I have a responsibility mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it, it typically isn't a, a, you know, a path that you choose. It chooses you. Uh, it chooses you. <laughs> yeah, the path you, chose me. You're open to it, right? You're just like, okay, let's do this. I don't think I you have, have a choice. No <laughs> where this is going to lead, but I'm trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you. Trust Trust the universe. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the, process. Trust the universe. Yeah. <laughs> so to to you know we've covered so much in your story and I I find it so inspiring, so brilliant. So it's it's sort of like a call to action for all of us to to really own our stories and to really you know just just take ownership you know of who we are and 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 exist in the world right and and fight for the justice that. Um, that we deserve, you know, just by being human. And I'm curious for you, as you think about, you know, your path ahead and the change that you want to affect, what's, what's next for you? What can we expect as you continue <laughs> to walk this path? Me personally? Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for me? So I've started my organization, um, A Little Piece of Light, right? Um, and our focus is women who have been impacted by abuse, trauma, violence, incarceration. Um, and I want to get housing together for women. Certain legislations that we're working on, trying to get passed here in New York, help draft um, a legislation called the Domestic Violence Survivors Justice Act, which I talk about in my book, the DVSJA. And we finally got it passed after 10 plus years last March. Mm -hmm. So it's a year, over a year, and that's like a year and a half. Um, and so, you know, those things is what we look to change, you know, cert set certain policies that are uh, gender specific, right? And so DVSJ is not solely for women, it's also for men, but we know vast majority of women, um, you know, are being impacted by that um, in the system. So we look towards that, we look to helping our community right now during a time of COVID, we've been responding to 
the needs of our people in our community. So we've been able with grants, you know, able to um, get some financial support for those that are, um, you know, hit hard and, and um, formerly incarcerated um, women are hit the hardest. Um, also food insecurities, right? Financial insecurities, food insecurities, being able to get food and stuff like that. We're focusing right now on voting voters registration i don't care we will vote for exercise your right because it's yeah. it's not it's people you know fought for this they died blood sweat and tears you know spilt for it um so let's get that going um so i mean there's a lot of um, things that we're focused on right now but you know i i feel good i can't really say anything right now it's like reach of claws here but i'm being the opportunity um, very shortly to even have a larger platform to bring the stories out of women to tell those stories and to show the world mm -hmm. the humanity that's you know who we are amazing yeah yeah I'm I'm so thrilled and so grateful that I came across you and your work and <laughs> the work that you're doing and will continue to do and like I said I think it's a call to action for us all you know to to really yeah. get in alignment with our path and and affect real change we have work to do clearly we have a whole <laughs> lot of work to do we have a lot of work it's to do wounded place yeah <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Thank you to your wisdom and your advice and your, your gift to this world. And we support everything that you're doing and, and we'd love to have you back and to share more that you're, you're up to. So thank, thank you so again. much for having me and um, I look forward to it and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Yeah.